Well, Hark the Herald, podcast time. Yeah, that's right. We're back with Church Jams Now, the Christmas volume. So, uh, Kylan, are you familiar with the Six Degrees of Kevin Bacon? Kylan? Kylan? Oh, right. Uh, sorry, listeners. Kylan's gonna be out for the first half of the episode, but never fear. He'll be around for the second half, after we both listen to the album that we're covering for our 2020 Christmas special, which is Amy Grant's 1992 iconic holiday classic, Home for Christmas. Okay, so Six Degrees of Kevin Bacon. It's kind of a funny Hollywood riff on Six Degrees of Separation, which is kind of a thought experiment that postulates that any one person could be six degrees of connection or less away from any other person on the planet. Um, And so then the idea is that we're all six degrees or less away from Kevin Bacon. Anyway, this has nothing to do with Kevin Bacon, but in a similar Six Degrees of Separation style, before the end of this episode, you will know how Amy Grant is connected to Elvis, the Kardashians, and Art Garfunkel, and what Kylan wants for Christmas. So stick around. Okay, so first off, a bit about Amy. Uh, I just want to give a little context for those that may not be as familiar with her. Uh, I definitely learned a lot. Amy Lee Grant was born November 25th in the year 1960. Um, She's an award-winning singer, songwriter, musician, author, and media personality. She came to be known as the Queen of Christian Pop, with six Grammys under her belt, many more nominations and other awards. She grew up in Nashville, Tennessee, and has been married to Vince Gill since 2000. In 1976, when she was only 15, she recorded a demo of a song she'd written. This was intended to be for her parents, and while a copy was being dubbed at the studio, the owner of the studio overheard it, and I guess he liked it so much that he called Word Records, he played it for them over the phone, Back to the Future style, and she was offered a recording contract based on that. Uh, She went on to record many albums, steadily growing in notoriety in the Christian music sphere. In 1982, uh, she saw the release of her breakthrough album, Age to Age. For this record, Grant received her first Grammy Award for Best Contemporary Gospel Performance, as well as two GMA Dove Awards, the famous Dove Awards, for Gospel Artist of the Year and Pop Contemporary Album of the Year. Age to Age became the first Christian album by a solo artist to be certified gold in 1983, and the first Christian album to be certified platinum in 1985. So, you know, setting some records. Um, In the mid-1980s, she started writing, recording, and touring with the then-up-and-coming Michael W. Smith, But her goal was to become the first Christian singer-songwriter who was also successful as a contemporary pop singer, Um, ultimately to much success throughout the 80s and 90s, crossing over with several albums and singles that made appearances on the mainstream chart. She even did vocals on, get this, a Christmas album by Art Garfunkel in 1986. So there you go. I told you how she'd be connected to Art Garfunkel. There's that one. 
The very successful 1991 album Heart in Motion was a turning point that helped establish this shift to the mainstream pop sphere that she had been hoping for. It peaked at number 10 on the Billboard 200 and number 1 on the Contemporary Christian chart and stayed on the chart for 32 weeks. The record went platinum five times over. One of the lead singles on that record, Baby Baby, received Grammy nominations for Best Female Pop Vocal Performance and Record and Song of the Year, although it failed to win any of those categories. Four other hits from the album made the Pop Top 20 list. Every Heartbeat, That's What Love Is For, Good For Me, and I Will Remember You, on the Adult Contemporary chart. All five songs were top ten hits, with two of the five reaching number one. I remember Baby Baby. Um, It's one of those that uh, I had to look up the lyrics, if I'm being honest, but I did remember um, the part that goes... Baby, baby, I'm taken with an ocean To love you with the sweetest of devotion Yeah, so I'm gonna go ahead and say that's a jam. It's TJ certified. So then, we arrive at Home for Christmas. It was Amy Grant's 13th album. It was hot on the heels of the successful Heart in Motion with all those singles that I just mentioned. And it's actually her second holiday album. It was released on October 6th, 1992, and it had two singles, Breath of Heaven, parentheses, Mary's Song, and Grown Up Christmas List. Now, ordinarily, we'd spend some time talking about those involved on the production and writing levels and the players on the album. But as Amy's a classic solo artist, and this is a Christmas album, There are way too many names in all of those categories, so I'm just going to skip that this time and instead take us down a rabbit hole of trivia surrounding the track that stands out most in my memory, Grown Up Christmas List. Now, I don't know about you, Kylan. Kylan? Oh, right. Um, Well, I remember Breath of Heaven as the song that all the church choir sopranos took turns singing each year at the Christmas Eve service. Um, And I remember Grown Up Christmas List as the one that came on the radio every 15 minutes while you were rolling around your small Texas town in your mom's Honda Odyssey minivan to and from rehearsals from the church Christmas musical production that you were in. Or, you know, while decorating your tree or something. As the case may be. At any rate, I grew up getting really tired of that song as a teenager but have recently come to fall in love with it. Um, I love its over-the-top, schmaltzy, if somewhat melancholic optimism, to be honest. Um, I just think it's kind of wonderful. So much so that I recorded a very lo-fi cover of it, um, which was actually a sparse medley mashup with Sufjan Stevens' Christmas Unicorn, available on SoundCloud. Yes, that is real, and yes, it is as weird as it sounds. Anyway, Amy's version of the song came out in 1992, but according to Billboard, it didn't even enter any charts until 2011. But that year, it had a 24-week run on the Christian Digital Song Sales Chart, topping out at number 15, and then again more recently, in 2017, when it had a 30-week run in that category, topping out at spot number 11. And I just think that's really cool and really strange 
Like, why is this song from 1992 having such a renaissance in 2011 and then again in 2017? Unless it's because it's a bop and a modern Christmas classic. The people want to hear it. Anyway, a little more about that song. So the original song was written by David Foster and Linda Thompson Jenner in 1990. It was originally recorded by Foster with Natalie Cole, daughter of Nat King Cole, on vocals, uh, and it was for David Foster's 1990 album River of Love, and then a similar second version was put on his 1993 holiday album, The Christmas Album. Though it was released as a single, the song was not a hit upon its first appearance, that version of it. Um, in 92, when Amy put it on her album, her version featured an additional verse that she penned herself, uh, and her record label at the time, A&M Records, promoted the song as the second single from the album, and because of that, uh, it received a lot of radio airplay. That's probably why it did a lot better, and why we now know Amy's version, and not Natalie Cole's. Another reason that it may still be in the Christmas culture zeitgeist is that because in 2003, original American Idol winner Kelly Clarkson performed Grown Up Christmas List on the show's Christmas special. Tons of viewers on that episode, I imagine. And the song was released on the album American Idol Great Holiday Classics, which resulted in renewed airplay of the song during the holiday season that year. Um, at that point, Kelly's version entered the U.S. adult contemporary billboard chart, spending five weeks there and topping out at number 17. A handful of other artists have gone on to cover the song, including Michael Bublé and, uh, who is that? Oh yeah, uh, me. Anyway, maybe some of you out there are much more familiar with this David Foster character than I was before I went down the strangest internet research trail that I've been on in a long time. But honestly, this guy is a character. He's basically lived seven or eight lives and done a lot. Uh, most recently, he was the head of Verve Records, uh, which is mostly a jazz label, um, until around 2016. But let me start a little further back so you can get the full context. And I promise it's going to circle back to Amy Grant and her grown-up Christmas list. Mr. David Foster is Canadian. He was born in Victoria, B.C., Around 1966, he played in a backup band for Chuck Berry. He went on to play on records by George Harrison and was a major contributor to the album I Am by Earth, Wind, and Fire. He went on to do lots of production work with Chicago in the 80s, cranking out best-selling albums and chart-topping hits. He then began doing lots of TV and film scoring and soundtrack work to much success, and in 88, he composed the Olympic Winter Games theme. In 95, he formed his own label, 143 Records, as a joint venture with Warner Brothers. Then in the 2000s, he went on to produce best-selling records by the likes of Josh Groban, whose 2001 debut went double platinum, Michael Buble, whose 2003 debut also went platinum, and many other pop sensations of the time. To date, he has 16 Grammys, three of those awards being for Producer of the Year, and he's also been nominated 47 times. Needless to say, the man is a music mogul. In 1985, 
Rolling Stone magazine named Foster the master of bombastic pop kitsch. And I think that pretty much sums it up. I feel like that's a great way to describe him. Um, but uh, strap yourselves in, because this is where our understanding of David Foster shifts from massive music mogul to outlandish celebrity caricature. So like I said, I don't know if some people out there are maybe more familiar with David Foster, but I'm learning all this right now. Uh, he has had an interesting TV career. In 2006, he was a mentor on American Idol, which makes sense. And he's been on a slew of other reality TV shows, um, which initially I was like, sure, you know, that, that checks out. Um, but then I went even further down the strange rabbit hole of David Foster. So the man's been married five times. His fourth wife, Dutch model Yolanda Hadid, was on The Real Housewives of Beverly Hills. So, in 2012, he showed up for an episode. But backing up a bit further, I want to talk about his third wife. In 1991, he married actress and 1972 Miss Tennessee winner Linda Thompson. They divorced in 2005, um, but while they were married, the two became a songwriting team collaborating on several songs, including I Have Nothing, performed by Whitney Houston in the 92 film The Bodyguard, starring Whitney and Kevin Costner. And, drumroll please, Grown Up Christmas List. That's right, the young puppy love must have sparked some creative inspiration. I want to unpack that writing credit a little bit, um, but before I do that, I promised to connect Amy Grant to Elvis and the Kardashians, so I'm going to attempt to do that in under a minute. So to quote the poet Samuel L. Jackson in that one dinosaur movie, hold on to your butts. Here we go. <clears throat> in 1972, Linda Thompson, Miss Tennessee, met Elvis at a private movie screening where they hit it off and then dated for four years. Then, after breaking it off with the king of rock and roll in 1981, she married Olympic gold medal decathlete, formerly Bruce, now Caitlyn Jenner. They had two sons, but then separated in 1986. Later, in 1991, Linda married David, and while together, Linda and David co-wrote what became one of Amy Grant's Christmas hits. Later, in 2005, they also had their own somewhat failed reality show called The Princess of Malibu, which focused mostly on David and Linda's efforts to improve the lives of Linda's sons from her marriage with formerly Bruce, now Caitlyn Jenner. And, as you may know, through a complex twist of relationships and happenstance that is modern American celebrity culture, Thompson's son, Brody, and then Bruce, now Caitlyn, have been recurring cast members on Keeping Up with the Kardashians, the so far 19 season long reality show about the blended Kardashian-Jenner family that for so many is the guiltiest pleasure of reality TV. There you have it, Amy Grant, Elvis, Kardashians, Merry Christmas. Whew, what a ride. Okay, so where were we, Kylan? Oh wow, TJ, this is great and you're absolutely the best. Wait, so why am I reading these again? Oh, yeah. Um, well, to turn back to Foster's music career for a moment, like I said, and tie a nice Christmas bow on the fascinating Hollywood circus show that seems to be this guy's life, I just wanted to explain why I spent so much time talking about him. He is a modern Christmas music juggernaut. A list of his works of festive genius are as follows... In 1984, he produced Once Upon a Christmas by Kenny Rogers and Dolly Parton. He also produced 
Celine Dion's These Are Special Times in 1998, Josh Groban's Noel in 2007, Andrea Bocelli's My Christmas in 2009, Michael Bublé's Christmas in 2011, Rod Stewart's Merry Christmas Baby in 2012, Mary J. Blige's A Merry Christmas in 2013, and Jordan Smith's Tis the Season in 2016. Thus, he has produced the best-selling Christmas albums of 84, 98, 07, 09, 11, 12, and four of these albums, as of 2016, rank among the top 15 best-selling Christmas albums ever. So, Foster being credited with composing Grown Up Christmas List is just the mistletoe on top of that musical Christmas cake. Just just kidding, that's a weird analogy. Don't put mistletoe on your cake. I think it's poisonous. Anyway, we're going to jump into this festive album, and when we come back, Kylan's going to be with us. It'll be a Christmas miracle. And before we go, I'd venture a guess that we could all use a little extra Yuletide magic. So why don't you go ahead and pause this episode and listen to the album with us? Easily found on Spotify, YouTube, or the box of cassette tapes that your mom put in the attic in 1997, then promptly forgot about. Oh, and I highly recommend cranking it up for track two and track seven, and maybe just the whole thing. I don't know. Just lean into the schmaltziness of it, people. It's way more fun if you do. Um, there's orchestras, there's weird auxiliary instruments, you know, you, you might get to rock around a Christmas tree if you're not careful. Um, I'm gonna be dancing around my living room, so if that helps, I can be your spirit animal. Here we go, Christmas babies. Home for Christmas. TJ, TJ, TJ. Kylan, Merry Christmas! Why, why am I, why am I here right now? I don't know. Uh, uh, bah humbug. Scrooge McKylan. But, you know, it's here. It's here. It's inevitable. It's like, it is the asteroid coming towards Earth, a la Armageddon. It is. The movie. Right. And I don't want to miss a thing. So, I know we're here to talk about Amy Grant's Christmas album. Yeah. And I know that it is one in the morning. And I've been hanging out with my newborn baby. Yeah, you have. So, haven't super been in a Christmas spirit this year, but I usually hate, listen to me, hate. Hate. Got it. Christmas music. Oh, no. Say it ain't so, Kylan. And Christmas things in general. Wow. Just, just the whole deal. I don't know what it is, but this year, something about being a new dad Right. I've softened a little bit. It gave you the warm fuzzies. Yeah. You know, we've been watching a couple Christmas movies, and I'm like, oh, my God, it's my daughter's first Christmas. This sort of Christmas spirit has been overflowing in me until I had to listen to this album. <laughs> <laughs> That's mean, man. I know. That was that was such a cruel setup. <laughs> I was just going to say, then you're perfectly primed for this album. Uh, you know, you know. And then you I went got, the opposite direction on me. I know. I know. I just, I've got, I've got Christmas PTSD. Right. I get that. I really do. I get that. I think everybody, if they're honest with themselves, has 
some kind of Christmas PTSD. If you've ever been part of like a Christmas pageant, (laughs) I just, I so want to be on board, but I think I just have some traumatizing experiences in my life. Right. One of which is that when I worked at a pawn shop, I don't know if you knew that I worked at a pawn shop. I think so. For a while. The many lives of Kylan. Um, the owner loved mm-hmm. Christmas music. And, you know, I worked 10-hour shifts, six days a week. Right. Starting November 1st through January 30th. Oof. He started playing Christmas radio. Ah, Throughout the whole store. And if you think about it, there's really only like 10 Christmas songs. Not true, but go on. I mean, like, basically. Can you name more than 10 Christmas songs? Yeah, Sufjan's got an album that's like 60. Yeah, you think the owner of of Frisco Jewelry and Pawn knows Sufjan's Christmas uh, album? You know, I never met the guy, so I'm not sure of his musical taste. But I'm talking about classics. I'm talking about... Radio hits. Baby, it's cold outside. Right. All I want for Christmas is you. Rocking around the Christmas tree. Noel. Rocking around the Christmas tree. Sure. Silent night. Jingle bells. Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. Have yourself a merry little Christmas. I gotcha. Look, we're still only at six. <laughs> and that feels like all of them. <laughs> so, yeah. I don't know. I'm not trying to sound super cynical and i am actually really excited to talk about some of the production things on this album yeah me too i think this is weirdly cathartic for me to work through my christmas ptsd right you're exercising those yuletide demons (laughs) i gotcha you're letting them out 100 percent. yeah well you know on your path to catharsis let me let me be like the the ghost of Christmas music, if I, if I could. Oh, there you go. I like that analogy. Yeah. The ghost of Christmas music. And and we'll get you there. We'll get you to to Christmas morning. I hope so. You know, this is this is gonna be a whole journey. By the end of it, I'm gonna be like Scrooge running around the street. What day is it? What day is it? Yep, lifting Tiny Tim up on your shoulder. It's Christmas. Here's a here's a ham for everybody. I think <laughs> is that how that? Yeah, yeah. I'm pretty sure that's how it goes. That he buys the ends? whole city of London a ham. Ham, free ham. Yep, one just one ham. Merry Christmas for the whole city. Here's some free ham. Yep, <laughs> we'll we'll have you buying ham by the end of this volume. I'm into it. It's good to have you back. By the way, I was lonely. I know. I know. Really glad to have you back. This is a little weird because we recorded the first episode, which is coming out. Just a week prior to this, we actually recorded that, what, back in, like, July? Yeah, like five years ago in July of 2020. It feels like it, man. But, hey, I'm excited to be back. Yeah. So let's check out track number one. Let's do. Which is Have Yourself a Merry Little Christmas. You know, Colin, you have said to me many times that you appreciate consistent presence of instruments. A lot of times you mentioned bass, but this album, it's going to be sweet, sweet strings. It is sweet, sweet strings. I think. And and right out of the gate there, that string section is just magnificent. It is, but when that string section starts, for me, if we're keeping with that PTSD analogy, this is like if my life were a Vietnam movie, this would be like a 
Credence Clearwater song. I see. <laughs> like <laughs> lots of bullet shells flying and yes, I just people falling down. But dude, okay, I will say right off the bat, part of this has been kind of hard for me to separate from my like memories and stuff because this album was like so massive like her voice on these songs right. feel like the definitive version of a lot of these christmas songs absolutely these are objectively the right versions of these songs yeah, yeah. but her voice is flipping solid on this man oh she, yeah she she's got the very like pop diva right kind of thing with like just the right amount of like rasp mm-hmm. to her voice on certain notes but she hits those notes like super strong yeah. and she can do it at a whisper which is amazing yes she brings yeah. such presence you know and she can she can compete with this massive orchestral arrangement but it is so full and so crisp and clear it's pretty lovely for sure i mean this is a great opening track it is i mean the track is only two minutes and 38 seconds like it's like yep short and sweet um it's like the perfect intro yeah it really is like i feel like i i do feel like when i hear this song like i almost smell cinnamon and cloves you know like Mm -hmm. i smell christmas when i hear it some real nostalgic like synesthesia for sure that's fun well shall we jump into track two yeah let's do it it's the most wonderful time of the year I mean, I feel like I'm just watching a Christmas play, a Christmas pageant. Yeah, you are. You're watching yourself in your memory. I am, yeah. Dancing around. Back when I loved Christmas. <laughs> I do. Trying not to be grinchy. I, yeah, I, I do love Christmas. <laughs> I do. I really love Christmas. I believe you. I do think this song is kind of tired. It has become like a go-to for if somebody needs just like a Christmas track to play. And so I feel like I have heard it too many times. Like I've got, it's the most wonderful time of the year, fatigue. Right. Whether it's an amazing version, which I think this is an incredible version. The orchestration's beautiful. Her voice is amazing. Correct. Um, The arrangement's really cool, super interesting. Um, But still, I find myself getting really tired of it. Yeah, yeah, me too. I mean, yeah, the the arrangement is really good, but... I feel like Christmas arrangements have almost become their own sort of thing. Yep, their own subgenre. You know the way that like a John Williams score or an Alan Silvestri score are like very recognizable and you know Right. They have their own characteristics. Yeah, Christmas music has that like lilting violins and yep. lots of swells dynamic shifts and things yeah i love the uh the kind of bombastic ending there at the end where it's just like yeah it feels like the start of a movie yes like this could all be the soundtrack to a christmas movie Mm -hmm. i will say i think it's pretty incredible that there's front and center um i think toward the beginning just like a xylophone clanking along and then it goes out like a lion with that timpani and the brass like just massive Mm mm-hmm very like Tchaikovsky esque. Yeah. yeah. Well, hey, you know what? That just hit me. Maybe that's sort of the the inspiration for a lot of this. Like the nutcracker. Sweet. Mm-hmm. Look at us. We're so smart. Coming to conclusions. <laughs> figuring <laughs> stuff out. Connecting dots. One thirty in the morning. We're great. Running on two hours of sleep. I am <laughs> I'm on top of it. You sure are. 
that does line up though because the the next track um we'll just go ahead and jump in uh yeah. joy to the world slash for unto us a child is born you know that's a that's a classic handle um song that she decided to do an arrangement of yeah I like I, I do like I like when interesting things like this happen. I like medleys, but and it goes back to sort of the like Christmas movie soundtrack feel of it. Mm-hmm. You know, this could also have been like a really good opening track because um, I think it kind of sets the stage for mm. here we are. It's Christmas music, right? Yeah, and it's it's really telling of what I think about when I hear any kind of orchestral arrangement of a song that I don't immediately recognize. I kind of wonder, is this John Williams? Right. Yeah. <laughs> and it, like I see, I see classical music or orchestral uh, music in in the through the lens of you know people like him, um, and it's kind of funny that you know when this came out, like he he was barely even. I mean, he he was coming into notoriety but like nobody would would see classical music through that lens right now when i hear this song i think about like home alone i think about harry potter you know like yeah so okay uh you know i i think it's interesting to to note too like the orchestral element of this and the fact that over half of this song on the amy grant album she's not singing not even singing like like the the orchestra is at the forefront front and center and i think that that speaks to that idea of christmas music sort of being bigger than any performer right any genre or even a career right yeah like it's one of those things like it's its own little world yeah and you know i don't know if we want to discuss sort of the idea that like i mean everyone comes out with a christmas album right it's just like it's inevitable what you do yeah like if you take a look at it objectively like you know at this point we're just so used to that but it is a little bit weird like if you take a step back and think about it Mm -hmm. that christmas music is so its own thing right that it's like an event right yeah which i guess like the holiday i don't know it's what we do it is interesting though like on that note that you know it's become a norm for artists to come out with a christmas album and then she chose with her christmas album granted this is her second one but she chose with her christmas album to make it sort of this musical journey and like an event that that did oftentimes put her backstage like it kind of put her in the in the background and it put other players kind of in the front and other music styles in the front other you know types of genres or feelings that she couldn't right. create on her own she had to like bring a, a team of people in to make this event of a christmas record happen right and she chose to do that she kind of got out of the way to let it be what it was going to be yeah yeah and i think that's sort of the balance everyone tries to find with a christmas album right and the fact that i'm like sick of this album already <laughs> is honestly like a testament to like how successful she was at this you know what i mean like it's oh, become man. so <laughs> ubiquitous right you know what i mean like the this feels like i said before like it feels like the christmas album like it's got everything you need right that anyone can listen to it feels kind of timeless like it doesn't feel you know cuz there've been so many bands and artists that have done 
versions of Christmas songs. Right. That, you know, like Reliant K has two Christmas albums. And you can tell they're very much yep. like Reliant K. They're punk pop Christmas albums. Or Sufjan has a right. Christmas album. And it feels of a very specific time. Right. And this just feels like the Christmas album. Classic. And like timeless. Like this could have come out in 1965 or 2005 right. or 2020, but it came out in nine, 1992. And it just. I will say, though, there are a few tracks that are like very specifically early 1990s oh 100 percent, 100 percent. contemporary pop rock um but you're right that like she she threaded the track list in such a way that gave you these kind of iconic timeless big sweeping christmas songs that you hear and instantly you're brought into like the feeling of the season right um and then throughout in between those she has these like little bits of like 90s pop yeah so it's it's a weird honestly it's like an eclectic mix of songs by the time you get to the end of it it really is because it does kind of take from like different periods of like christmas music too right i think of it in three almost like three movements but not in chronological order okay they're kind of like broken up a little bit okay well we'll get to that but i'll, I'll come back around to it but let's go ahead and jump into track four because that kind of gets us back into that 90s pop place oh yes oh yes so breath of heaven mary's song this song what, what, what can you say about this song Kyle? this mother flipping song <laughs> uh this was featured very heavily in multiple years of the christmas pageant that i was in so oh. do you think we should maybe talk about christmas pageants for a second let's talk about those that sounds fun okay so i just need to give a little bit of context i spent a couple years of my childhood in south florida attending the mega church first baptist fort lauderdale okay now first baptist fort lauderdale up until i guess this year i think was the last year has always done a christmas pageant right now Listen, this in some rinky-dink, put some towels and some sashes around our belts and have some three wise men walk down the pews. This is like a multi-million dollar endeavor. Right. Like, they were so proud of the fact that it was featured in, like, 14 countries, and they have, like, full camera crew. It is a Broadway-level production. Do the angels come down with, like, fireworks? Yes. I know you said that as a joke, but <laughs> but Yes. <laughs> Uh, my mom was an angel one year in Jesus's birth scene. Amazing. She came from the very back on a wire. And yeah, there's pyrotechnics. Ooh. There was like over 30 animal, like live animals. Camels? That are on stage. That are featured. And so the way that this Christmas pageant worked was the first half was secular. And the second half was like the story of Jesus. What fun distinctions. <laughs> oh, yeah, right. Well, see, they get you in with like, the candy canes and sugar plums and then right yeah come for the santa claus stay for the jesus exactly yep <laughs> that needs to be a t-shirt i need that <laughs> but so like the first half would change every year second half always the exact same and i was in it for a couple of years and this is like crazy to me thinking back like we would start rehearsals in august august of every like i feel like this was this Christmas pageant was like the reason that this church existed. Woof. May also be the reason for your PTSD, Kevin. A hundred percent. No, no, no. For sure. 
for sure. I am not arguing that in <laughs> any way, shape, or form. <laughs> um, but this song, I just remember distinctly. It was like it was always a solo, right, by the woman that played Mary, right, of course. And she would like ride a donkey <laughs> through <laughs> the auditorium, like through the church, uh, up a ramp onto a stage with a spotlight. And she had like one of those like Broadway Garth Brooks mics. Oh, yeah. And would sing this song. You're telling me she was singing while riding a donkey? Of course. Amazing. Yeah, because this is her song. This is Mary's song. Yeah, and everybody knows Mary liked to sing as she rode on her donkey (laughs) well how is he gonna tell the story right exposition music they go together so well yeah it's perfect you don't need like a shakespearean soliloquy when when you got amy grant breath of heaven (laughs) mary's song i mean come on all right i feel like i've ranted enough all right talk to me about this song i mean i feel like i should have gone first because i was the rinky dink (laughs) bath towel no, not really. But I, I was in the Christmas pageant every year. It was nowhere near to that scale. Um, but I, I do vividly recall, you know, we we did the whole living Christmas tree of the choir um, in risers all the way up to the top of our sanctuary ceiling. And the, uh, you know, whoever the star soprano of the year was would get to sing that song, usually from the top of the tree. Um, and, yeah, it was very somber Honestly, though, that sounds just as dangerous as the Christmas pageant that I was in. Oh, for sure. With, like, live camels. Yep. Yeah, any- anything could have happened. It's a wonder that it didn't go up in flames, honestly. Um, but, yeah, I think the the song itself is, is, it's, like, really pretty dark. It's kind of a downer. It's kind of somber. Yeah. And <laughs> I was listening to it. Um, I cranked up my sound system and and blasted it in our living room today and uh my wife was kind enough to listen with me and she had never heard any of this music somehow oh really so that's a different perspective right because for us it's like tired and old and you know objectively christmas but for her it was like i've never heard any of this stuff and her statement about this song was uh where's joseph in all of this down with the patriarchy (laughs) And, and it was really interesting because the second she said that, the thought I was having was, man, I really connect with Mary in this. <laughs> so it was just a weird moment of like two people coming at a story from two entirely different perspectives. Yeah. Not, you know, obviously like I'm not dealing with any immaculate conception issues. Knock on wood. Yeah. <laughs> knock on wood. But we've all been down on our luck or like kind of confused. And like, when have you not wanted more wisdom? in your life that's true you know when have you not wanted to like have some help in a situation so i was really connecting with that yeah and then here she is like where's joseph no i i will say this chorus is super catchy yeah it is it's true and yeah it does it does kind of like hit you in the gut like it gets you in the feels for sure yeah it's pretty solid it's pretty good also um just kind of from an analytical standpoint, uh, music analysis, I was trying to figure it out. It's it's in four four, but it feels like there are some like extra measures at certain points. Yeah, yeah. Is it because I I feel like I feel like the vocal line kind of drags a little bit. 
mm-hmm. behind like the main. Yeah, beat. it has like an extra two phrases or something that that it needs to finish. So it's like the the chord progression has to continue on, even though rhythmically it feels like it should start over. Um, I will say one thing about this song, though. I mean, there's no sweet sweet bass. <laughs> no sweet sweet bass. A lot no of sweet sweet, sweet, sweet piano. Bass. But a lot of sweet sweet piano. No sweet sweet bass. But yeah, to go back to what you're saying, um, yeah, I I think it is really interesting the idea of like everyone needs help mm-hmm. and grace in their life, and I do think it's kind of cool, you know, if we're talking about the context of the Christmas story, right? Uh, taking a step and focusing on Mary, it's kind of cool. It's unique. It's different. Framing it from the perspective of just one random human that's like trying to figure things out right yeah but i guess we'll never know where joseph was in all of this yeah down with the patriarchy (laughs) down with the patriarchy (laughs) all right well with that uh, all right (laughs) yeah so to me that kind of is where it goes back to that kind of 90s soft rock place for sure if you if you think about those three movements or three dynamics in this album that's definitely where it heads back that way (laughs) and then it swings pretty quickly back to like the classic christmas dynamic with track five oh come all ye faithful i really love the guitar like the like you said the very like nashville kind of sound yeah it's very like i feel like i'm in a laid back wood cabin outside of nashville somewhere somebody's like stoking a fire yeah for sure yeah i love the guitar on this it's so good it's gorgeous it's so good and that's what is a little irritating about something like this in regard to kind of analyzing it and talking about the the people involved because ordinarily right we spend a lot of time on these albums talking about the people that are involved in the production the writing and the players right on the record and in this case, because it's this massive Christmas album, right? there's, you know, an orchestra, there's a lot of different string players, there's tons of different percussion, like so many people were involved, so many different producers on this one. Mm-hmm. Um, although I did mean to say during the first half that uh, Amy Grant did executive produce this album, which I think is really cool. So as we're talking about her having a vision for it, you know, and really seeing that through, she really did. Okay, yeah. But it is really great to just hear the right. guitar and i just wish i could be like good on you mr or miss whoever you are and i just don't know no i know I so know. if you're out there if you play the guitar on this track and you're out there props props i kind of wish that the whole record was like this yeah i'd be way more into it yeah that'd be really beautiful like this reminds me of like 5 a.m on christmas morning where it's still dark outside like candlelight for some reason Hmm. like it's like i don't know uh, compared to like other christmas songs Mm -hmm. that are similar you know it's similar to like silent night but silent night has like a a little bit of like a darker tone to me this feels a little right like kind of happy but like a chill happy like we're all still kind of sleepy waking up and especially this version i agree and i like that about it i love it it makes me feel good this is you know this might be my uh favorite track on the whole album okay good to know it's a great track it's stripped down it's simple but it's beautiful that that choir that comes in halfway through is really nice yeah i'm a sucker for a good four-part choir me too love it 
Well, shall we jump into number six? Yeah, let's keep going. Man, grown up Christmas list. So this is the standout track on this album for me, as far as like memory and nostalgia and all that good stuff. Man, those keys, that's like the most like late 80s, early 90s ballad. Yeah, I wanted to ask you, what is that called? I mean, it's just like, a, it's not a Rhodes. No, it's like some kind of synthesizer sound, right? It's like a, I think it's, I think it's like a clavinet, which is like, yeah. a, like an electric, like clavichord. Something like that. Yeah, whatever it is, that weird synthesizer thing is 90s in a bottle right there. 100%. The string arrangement, though, I want to mention once again, I think is gold. Yeah. Like, that's where my heartstrings are, are like, plucked. I'm just like, ah, oh, the strings, <laughs> take me. 100%. I mean, Homeboy did a good job. What's his name? Vincent Price. Vincent Price. Phil Spector. Who, who'd you say? David Foster Wallace. <laughs> yeah, David Foster Wallace. Different yeah. David Foster. Yeah, David Foster, man, he, I mean. He's the Christmas king. He's the Christmas king. And, like, I thought that this song maybe was, like, his one Christmas contribution to the world. And then looking back and seeing all those hit nope. Christmas albums of his, it's just like, he's got the magic formula. Yeah. I don't know what it is, but he's got it. And Amy knows how to work it. That's very true. So this is the second longest track on the record. Ah, right. Um, I do like that for the most part, the like classic Christmas songs that everyone knows, like they had the sense to just sort of get in and get out. Mm, mm-hmm. You know, it's not like like the average length of song on here is like three minutes. Right. Which compared to other albums like the friggin' Jesus Freak, yeah, by DC Talk, like for sure, like they knew. Which is weird because this album feels so long, and I think part of that is the Christmas music fatigue, right? But I think they, I think they were really smart in not making the songs like overly long because everyone's familiar with it, right? And yeah, like, I mean, I love it. The first two tracks are both like two and a half minutes. Yeah, they didn't, they didn't stick around longer than they were welcome. Yeah, exactly. Because like, like, you know what it is. Once you've heard like 10 seconds of it, mm-hmm. you feel like you've listened to the whole thing. And I do appreciate that. They knew how to trim the fat. Right. Like, it makes sense that, that this song and Breath of Heaven are the two longest. Yeah. You know, hate it or love it. I think if you're going to put some long tracks on the album, they should be the ones where Amy's kind of laying into that kind of emo, optimistic, Christian, melancholy, soft rock thing. Because that's what she does. I'm not mad about it. Exactly. Give her the room to breathe, to like sing with a lot of emotion, to get real intimate, to get real grand with her vocals, to have the full dynamic range of what she can do. I do want to mention, too, the verse that she added that was, was not in the David Foster version originally, and she added, was the one that reads, As children, we believe the grandest sight to see was something lovely wrapped beneath the tree. But heaven only knows that packages and bows can never heal a heartached human soul. And that, I think, is the verse the song needed. Yeah. It kind of, like, it both grounds the song to, like, the experience that a lot of us have, like, you know, we grew up as kids thinking like, oh man, look at that stack of presents. I can't wait for the Xbox. But then as we get older, we... I never got an Xbox. You didn't? Oh man. No. Me neither. I don't know why I use that as an example. <laughs> Clearly neither, neither of us were cool enough to get an Xbox. <laughs> anyway, but we, gr- we grow up and we kind of learn like, uh, it's not really about the stuff. Right. Um, And I love that. In, in, in one little verse, she kind of succinctly talks about the 
the kind of modern commercialized human experience. Yeah, for sure. So I'm glad she added that verse. I think the song's better for it. And especially that verse, for some reason, made me think about something. I realized that, yes, this song is a little over the top, kind of schmaltzy, a little melancholic. But also, if this song came out as like a Christmas bonus track on Evermore. Oh, yeah. If Bonnie Bear and Taylor Swift wrote this song. That's true. We would be praising it yeah. as a work of yeah, genius. That's very true. Like, it's easy to look at it as like this like, kind of silly 90s thing. Right. And especially with the clavichord and all that, like very 90s sound. It's easy to look at that and be like, I don't know if this could work right. as a song. I don't know if it works. But as like, I think if you updated the 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 arrangement or the mix or something it could be pretty great for sure yeah no i i totally think of it in the context of like like i was listening to the blank check podcast uh about movies and they were talking about uh what lies beneath the harrison ford movie from like the early 2000s yeah and how it was just sort of taken at the time as like a Mm run-of-the-mill thriller but if that movie had come out today everyone would be like what the mm-hmm. hell is this? This is incredible because they don't make movies like this anymore. Similarly, like they don't make songs like this anymore. Right, exactly. And I think there are a lot of songwriters out there that just don't get the kind of radio play that Amy Grant was getting in 1992. Right. And then again in 2011 and 2017 when this song climbed the charts again. Right. Um, which again kind of speaks to the quality of the song and the staying power that it seems to have. Um, I also hope that you can appreciate it because it's not one of these like tired covers. Right. Like it's, it's a newer song, right? Like it was written in the nineties. Yeah. There's a few versions of it, but you know, there's this quintessential one and that's kind of it. Yeah. And it just is what it is. Yeah. So it's a little less tired maybe. For sure. Yeah. It's like Elf. It's like a new Christmas classic. Right. Just no Will Ferrell. Yep. Exactly. But no, I, you know, I, I have nothing bad to say about this song, which is wow. which is my Christmas present to you. That's Thanks, <laughs> bud. That means a lot. The best I can do. But, okay, so going into this, I know this track in particular, I know that like you love this song. Yeah. I know you did a cover of this song, which we will... Do you think we should feature... Or should we play... Can, can we play a portion of it at the end of the show? Yeah, we can do that. All right, all right. So we're going to play a portion... Like maybe instead of the regular theme song, we're going to play a portion of your cover. Yeah, I like that idea. Free ham. Merry Christmas. This is our ham to the world. Here's the ham, London. (laughs) Here you are. Um, But you came to me when we first started talking about doing this album, um, the idea of creating our own grown-up Christmas list. I did, that's right. And I'm very excited about that. Yeah. So... I think we should read our Christmas lists to each other. How you feel about Aww, that? Yeah, let's do. Yeah, that sounds yeah, great. So, who do you want to go first? You want to go first? Or you want me to go uh, first? Why don't you go first? Okay. I'm, I'm too uh, anxious. I can't wait. All right. So this is a feature for the Christmas episode only of me and TJ's own personal grown-up Christmas lists, and we, we each did five, right? That's right. All right. So my grown-up Christmas list. Let's start number five. For Christmas, all I want is for my baby to go to sleep. (laughs) Willow, go to sleep. I just want Willow to go to bed. Be on the nice list this year, Willow. 
That's all I want for Christmas. Please, Santa Claus. Go to sleep. For real. And so that brings us to number four. Yeah? I want to go to sleep. <laughs> you want to go to sleep? I just want to go to sleep. A little nap time for Dad. I just, I just want to go to sleep. That's all I want. Yeah. I want us to all just all go to want. sleep. Merry Christmas. Can we just <laughs> go the f- to sleep? <laughs> Can we just go to sleep? I think we can. We can. Uh, all right. So number three, health insurance. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so working service industry and being self-employed and blah, 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 all that. Don't have health insurance. Right. That would be super nice. That'd be good. You know, if I break a bone or something, don't have a massive hospital bill. Right. You know, that is that is the 2020 millennial experience, right? It is, man. That's some Christmas truth. Uh, all right. So number two. On my grown-up Christmas list. Socks. I am running dangerously low on socks. I get it, man. Right? I understand. I always got socks from, like, a great aunt. Like, some... Uh-oh. My baby's awake. See? Baby's awake. Number five. Number five. Come on. Going Come back on. to Grim number me my five. my Christmas wish. Come on. Grim me my Christmas wish. But I want socks. Yep. And number one on my grown-up Christmas list. I wish for... Abolition of daylight savings time. Yes, please. We don't need it. Why? Why do we have it? It's useless. Why, why does it exist? Why does it yeah. exist? Because when it happens, especially in the winter, up here as far north as we are, the sun starts going down at four thirty. It's ridiculous. Santa Claus. It's pitch black by five o'clock. Santa Claus, please. Surely it's darker please. in the North Pole than it is for us. I don't. I don't need my two front teeth. They're fake anyway. I just want daylight savings time to go away. Yeah. Or I guess I can move to Arizona. Yeah. But I don't want to do that. So let's just get rid of daylight savings time. I love it. What a great list. All right. So let's hear your grown-up Christmas list. Okay. So I want some hand sanitizer. Well, (laughs) I mean, yeah. Yeah, because the world's on fire and, you know, we got the pandemic and stuff right no not for that i saw it on pinterest kyle and it's great for moscow mules man (laughs) okay yeah so all right number four i want some toilet paper you know yeah because everyone's like stealing toilet paper and stuff or hoarding it well no because i want to tp the neighbors it's some like white christmas tradition in this new neighborhood we just moved to (laughs) okay perfect so yeah that's why so number three number three is a good one um I want a private jet. To socially distance and uh, travel on your own? No, Kylan, for the tax write-off, duh. All right, so number two, I want a standing desk. Because you have to work from home? No, you don't want a desk laying down on the job, Kylan. Got to get a standing desk. (laughs) This is so much more painful than I anticipated. All right, number one, this is my last one. It's a good one. You're going to like this one. Okay. So I want some new face masks, okay? New face masks. Right. Okay. For, like, I'm sure you're going to make something stupid, like like you're going to do adult craft time shoulder pads or something, right? No, I don't want to get COVID-19, Kylan. Slow the spread, dude. Come on. <laughs> God, this guy. <laughs> Was this bit a flop or a bop? <laughs> I do a podcast with this person. Well, Willow seems really entertained. She likes it. She's into it. She likes it. What do you think, Willow? That's that's the only audience I care about. <laughs> She's the only one that matters. That's right. That's funny. Well, so that takes us to track seven, my man. Rocking around the Christmas tree. 
All right, I'm stoked about this. Yeah. So I talked about this album being in three movements. There's like the 90s kind of ballady rock pop stuff. There's like the classic Christmas stuff. That's like kind of the John Williams-y orchestral stuff. And then there's just Nashville Christmas. And this to yeah. me is front and center in that Nashville Christmas movement. For sure. Well, I feel like the definitive version of this song is the the Brenda Lee version. Mm, right. It's like the one that everyone knows. Yep. And this one just like... I don't know when you do have a song like that that is like so associated with one artist like I feel like the Brenda Lee version whether you know who Brenda Lee is or not like that's that's the version that everyone knows right like I don't I don't know why you right. would include it on this album it feels a little weird well I think the guitar work on this one like both the playing the mix and the recording all of it is actually different enough that it that to me is what warrants putting it on the album just like a little more 90s country i guess yeah it still just feels like a i don't know this is the one song to me that feels the most like a cover does that make sense like even though like yeah Oh, yeah. No, it totally is. Like, the whole album is, like, I mean, for the most part, is, like, classic songs that everyone knows and are essentially covers. This is the one that feels the most like a cover. Right. True. But I'm trying to think. I can't remember. I want to say no. Does the Brenda Lee version have that toward the end, just before the key change of the last chorus, there's that bum, 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 do-do-do-do-do, ah. Yeah. I don't think so. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Yeah. And that to me is like the goofiest enough to warrant again, kind of like nineties, like yeah. a little Christmas schmaltzy, a little Nashville. I don't know. It's just like that to me is different enough, but again, no, it's, it's totally a cover. I don't think she's trying to like fool anybody. I think if you asked Amy, she'd be like, Brenda Lee's the quintessential yeah, but one. It just, I don't know. This just feels a little out of place to me from the rest of the record. Yeah. I kind of think she realized how like Christian emo uh, grown up Christmas list was, and she was like, "Okay, now we need a lift. We need something fun." Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Well, popping over to track eight, "Winter Wonderland." This one again feels Nashville, but it feels specifically like a Broadway show tune done at the Grand Old Opry. Yeah, for sure, for sure. I feel like those swing drums, like you've got the kind of brushy swing, jazzy drums. Um, but there's just enough like kind of country vibes to it. There's some little saxophone hits here and there. For sure. So was Amy Grant ever like a like did she ever do like country music? Yeah, she did. She kind of shifted into more of like a southern gospel um sound later in her career. This was kind of as she was shifting into that. Um she's been married to Vince Gill actually since oh. 2000. Dang, uh, right. Mm-hmm. I totally knew that. Yeah, did you? Yeah, but I I always forget that. Yeah. So, and he Weird. was a big part of that. He kind of I mean, had well, an duh. impact yeah. on So, yeah, I think I think that is showing up here in little bits. Also, Vince Gill, to me, he seems like your friend's dad <laughs> that, like, your friend that has a pool. <laughs> like, he seems like that dad. Does that make sense? That's like the cool friend specific. with the pool. But he's like their dad. Yeah. Yeah. That's like totally his vibe. Yeah, I can see it. Like he's probably got like a cell phone holster. (laughs) 
and we'll like mostly just leave you alone. But even in 2020, yeah. <laughs> but but you walk away from that interaction while you're just like playing Marco Polo. You're like, he's a cool dude. <laughs> he's, he's a cool, a cool guy. guy. I like I like that Vince Gill guy. It's so funny. Anyway, it's jazzy. It's fun. We like it. Is. It. it is. Well, I don't uh, know if I like it, but you like it. I like that's it. Good. Uh, yeah. And moving on to track nine, I'll be home for Christmas. This always makes me think of the Jonathan Taylor Thomas movie. Oh, does it? Yeah. Yeah. I guess that makes sense. There's another standard, but it it does. She does mm. have an interesting intro section on it, that I think is unique to this version. I don't. I don't think that's unique to this version, though. Is it not? I don't think so. I feel like I've heard that before. But I like the way she does it's it. It's definitely not in the Bing Crosby version. Like, don't quote me on that i'm holding a baby and the microphone in the same hand so well i mean honestly at this like i could have heard another version that was a take on herbert like she like this could have been that's the thing that so many covers become covers of covers but anyway i i guess i just wanted to say that a lot of the versions i know don't have that intro section where she says i'm dreaming tonight of a place i love even more than i usually do and although i know it's a long road back i promise you i'll be home for christmas which is kind of fun. It's a nice little intro sequence on a song that gets really repetitive. Yeah, it, this song is very repetitive, but it's better than White Christmas. Yeah, that is for sure. We interrupt your regularly scheduled podcast for a tiny after-the-fact fact check. So I got really curious about that intro verse and did some digging. Turns out the original writers in 1943, uh, Kim Gannon... Walter Kent, with additional credit to Buck Ram, uh, wrote that intro lyric, but only certain artists have chosen to include it in their versions. The famed Bing Crosby version doesn't include it, even though he's the one that first popularized the song, and I couldn't find out why he didn't include it, but certain artists chose to, uh, in addition to Amy, such as The Carpenters and Johnny Mathis. Both versions are really great. I highly recommend checking them out. All right, back to your normally scheduled podcast. This is kind of a, I'd say, a moment where the album for me kind of sags. Oh, this is where it sags? Yep. (laughs) Yep. I can keep up with the album's rhythms, whether they are slow or overblown. Yeah. No, I get it, but it does start to like... It dips here. You become a lot more aware that you're just listening to a Christmas album at this point. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's a great way to put it. <laughs> really, that is that's it. It's like, oh, this is just Christmas music. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I feel like the the second half of this record does it does some interesting things, but it doesn't do enough interesting things to suspend your disbelief yeah. in the <laughs> Christmas album experience. I guess you know, right? What they did do in this song is they let whoever was on piano, they they just let him go. It's very like Vince Guaraldi at the end. It kind of does that descending. Boom, 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 boom. Yeah, for sure. Lots of jazz chords. So then track 10, The Night Before Christmas. The Night Before Christmas. Yeah. I, I kind of love this song. Really? Actually, is this your favorite? Have you said what your favorite is? Or are you waiting till the end? I, I'll go ahead and say I think I, I, I'm, I'm torn between this one and Grown Up Christmas List. 
actually. Okay. And I didn't realize I would feel that way until listening back to this album today. Um, but as I as I heard it, I just fell more in love with it as it went on and remembered that I knew like almost all the lyrics, which is weird. But it's really like this. It's somehow like simultaneously this like stadium anthem and like an intimate warm ballad somehow yeah you get that which i love i I love that it's like it can kind of hold both vibes at the same time it it reminds me of something but i can't figure out what exactly it does have kind of a, a familiar feel it's definitely the one that like the lights go out in the auditorium and you get your your candles or your lighter and you just start swaying this is one where vince gale comes out on the church stage he starts swaying in the background <laughs> merry christmas everybody my pool's open all year it's heated <laughs> <laughs> come on anytime come by i'm gonna read uh, some of the lyrics the um the second verse uh, if your heart's been longing and you've been afraid to try, sorrow's kept you company and the dance has passed you by. I'll lift you up and blaze with you across the moonlit sky on the night before Christmas. I'll lift you up and blaze with you? Yeah. You know, Amy's a progressive gal. <laughs> no, but then and then the chorus says, but you don't have to be an angel to sing harmony and you don't have to be a child to love the mystery and you don't have to be a wise man on bended knee. The heart of this Christmas is in you, Kylan, and me. I mean, for a Christmas song, uh, I'll give it this. Not even for a Christmas song. Those lyrics are pretty good. Yeah, they really are. It's fun. I can dig it. I can dig it. I I will give it that. I like that she is not afraid to like take these icons and elements from the nativity story and kind of turn them on their head a little bit in a way that is actually really inclusive. Yeah. That's what I love about this song. Yeah. Like even in 2020, you could sing this song and be like, yeah, this is for everybody. You're welcome into this place. And like the spirit of Christmas is shared and it's among us, like whoever you are, which may be a little ridiculous and over the top. And yeah, sorry, I guess I'm gosh darn king of Christmas. I need to go hang out with David Foster. But you love Christmas. You do. (laughs) You guys are the kings of Christmas. We're way too earnest. But yeah, I like that one. And then the album somehow dips again, even lower. (laughs) So track 11, Emmanuel, God with us. It has this flute line yeah. that starts the song out, and then it comes back over and over again. Yeah, it feels like like they were trying to appeal, like like world music was really popular, and they were trying to be like, hey, we're not the only ones that celebrate Christmas. Yes. It's celebrated around the world. Yes. I wrote, it really feels like Inya or like Phil Collins, Peter Gabriel, like... Right. You got an instrument? You got an instrument? Come here, play it. Just make some noise. Although I will say, I would freaking love a Peter Gabriel version of this song. <laughs> oh, man. Absolutely. And back to your talk of Christmas pageants. If this song was in one of those Christmas pageants, everyone's dressed as a shepherd, but they're all wearing wolf shirts, and they're all somehow Gaelic. Okay, this straight up just sounds like... Uh, like talking heads like david byrne doing river dance yep exactly i would watch that show i think it'd be really fun not in the ways they might intend but right it'd be fun she's into it got a thumbs up from willow yeah so should we put with special guest willow savage on this episode definitely yeah but Absolutely. dude i'm this is what i was talking about by this point in the record 
I'm just like, is it over yet? Specifically, this song too. Like, like I feel like I'd hear this whole record like in a mall. Oh, for sure. And I'd mostly be cool with it if yeah. I'm like Christmas shopping. But like, this is the point where like I'm done shopping. Right. But my mom still needs to go to JC Penney's. Oh man. And this song is playing. You got another hour at least. And I'm just <laughs> right. And I'm just like falling asleep behind the clothes racks, maybe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, in fact, I'm just going to skip ahead. Perfect. <laughs> Still got another minute 45 on here. Moving on, but we got one more track. Hey, we do. we're almost done. Merry Christmas. Yeah, Merry this Christmas. This is my Christmas <laughs> present to Christmas me is that we're almost done. <laughs> it's being done. That is, that's your Christmas present to me that we're almost done with this. Yeah, you're welcome, buddy. Album. Skipping ahead. So track 12, Yezu, Joy of Man's Desiring. I mean, that sounds like they wrote the song and then ran the title through google translate to a different language and then back <laughs> no man it's bach <laughs> come on kylan i don't know i'm not, I'm not as cultured as you <laughs> yeah you are oh wait bach like johann sebastian bach correct oh okay yeah i was thinking the other bach Right, the one spelled B E C K. The yeah, weird way to pronounce his name, but yeah, sure. yeah, the the Scientologist. Yeah, right. I thought it was Zenu, Joy of Man's Desire. <laughs> of course, that makes sense. Uh, that joke was funnier yeah. than I let it be because I'm so tired. <laughs> I liked it. Maybe I'm too tired too. Thanks. <laughs> but back to back, so. The song before this and now this one again, they both feel so weirdly Celtic or Gaelic or something. It's like, are you Irish? What's happening? Yeah, and then they'd go into like the super Celtic thing, like right in the middle. Makes no sense, man. Well, okay, if we were better podcasters, we would find out if River Dance premiered earlier this same year. And and see if that was like, mm, yes. I feel it's got that feel. Like I feel like Riverdance was really popular, and they're like, okay, let's do something like that. That would be relevant context. It's like they wanted to end on a high note, like high energy. So they were like, all right, we'll, we'll just write some stuff and yeah, Riverdance yeah. Christmas baby. Yeah, and I I totally get what you're saying about like the three movements mm-hmm. within the record now. Yeah. Because this goes back to that kind of classical Christmas feel. But it's still just like, I don't know, it's bonkers. It doesn't make any sense to me. It's sort of like, was it was it DC Talk that we talked about? Like, they just threw everything at the wall to see what yeah. would stick. Yeah. This album just ends so weirdly compared to how it started. But, hey, that's probably part of why this album was so successful. Because this is like a Christmas album is sort of the one context in which generally you get a pass for doing that. Right. And you might bring in a new demographic too, if you kind of expand your genre a little bit. So I think they were just kind of trying everything that they could to see what would work. Yeah. And somehow it all did work as far as sales goes. Yeah. Um, This album, I did want to say at the end here, in my research, as recently as 2014, it was one of the top 20 selling Christmas albums of all time. I mean, that makes sense. Yeah. Like, I like when you think of, like, Christian Christmas album, like, this is, like, the one. Yeah. yeah. But I mean, like... Oh, yeah, but of all time, like... It's tricky because Christmas, Christmas is Christian, Christian right? Regardless of, like, 
the billboard genres, right. it's like top 20. Right. But, but this is one of the things like, I feel like when I think of Christmas mu- music, like you typically think of like Bing Crosby. Right. And then for me, really this. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's definitely up there. So, okay. Is it too early to ask the immortal question of whether Home for Christmas by Amy Grant is a flop or a bop? Hmm. What a question. Because, yeah, you're right. Th- this is tricky because you have you have the added layer of context of Christmas. Hmm. I'm going to say that it's a flop. Really? Yes. Why is that? Because the album does not work for me. Because like I talked about it being sort of in three parts, you know, these three distinct, like the Nashville country Christmas, the kind of classical standards Christmas, and then the like Amy 90s pop rock Christmas. The fact that they tried to throw all of it at the wall and see if it would stick, for me, that that doesn't hold up as a concept. Okay. I like each of them independently. Right. I like them separately. So, like, if they like if they release this today, they would probably do it as like three different EPs. Exactly. And that would that would hold up for you. Yeah. And then I could decide whether maybe the Nashville one was a bop and the '90s one was a bop. Maybe I just skipped the classical one. All right. Well, hey, let's let's go ahead and do that. Tell me what you think. If if you split it up like yeah, that. Yeah, if I split it up like that, I say Nashville Christmas is a bop and 90s Amy Christmas is a bop. And then all the classical stuff can just go in the in the attic. All right. You can shoot its eye out. <laughs> I'm trying to think of other Christmas references. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it can it can go up in a a blaze of Christmas lights glory. There you go. Hallelujah. Holy shit. <laughs> where's the Tylenol? <laughs> it's joyful and triumphant. Well, Kylan, for Mr. Scrooge, Mr. Christmas Grinch. I got two questions for you. Is it a flop or a bop? And did we did we cleanse you of your Christmas PTSD in one fell swoop? Well, I think I can answer both questions okay. together because it might be a Christmas miracle. But TJ, yeah. bring out the ham because I think this album might be a bop. Oh man, Kylan. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So it drags in parts right but i was sort of swept up in the journey and and i think it i think it did work as a whole it was a little jarring Mm -hmm. hearing the different styles of music and things like that but it was just different enough that right because i get so bored with christmas music oh okay that that once i started getting bored it switched it up and was like hey well check this out that's true so it was the very variety that I was complaining about that made it a bop. It for worked you. for me. It worked for me. Cool. So I'm totally cured. I love Christmas and Christmas music, and that's the end of it. We did it. Bring out the ham. It's a Christmas <laughs> miracle. Bring out the ham. Hashtag bring out the ham. Bring out the ham, people. That ham is a bop right there. Yeah, dude. I think I I liked it more than I anticipated. Good. I was like way, way, way dreading it. Oh wow. And I kind of buried the lead at the beginning because, you know, you did. drama. I thought that'd be fun. It was fun. It made it fun for me because I was, I was ready for you to just, like, tank the thing by the end. Like, nope, still hate everything. It. Still hate it. Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But it could also be by the last three songs, I'm holding my newborn daughter in my arms and I'm like, oh, Christmas. Yeah, it tends to help. Yeah, I think it does. 
helps you feel a little better about humanity in general when you're holding a beautiful little baby. I think so, even though she's just like stinking up a storm. <laughs> God. I really hope in like 20 years or something she discovers this. That's why we do this. On like a hard drive in our attic somewhere. I've got this saved. For posterity. She knows I called her Tootie Ruffle Butt and she's embarrassed. That's my Christmas gift to her. Merry Christmas, Kylan. And to all a good night. <laughs> um, hey, so yeah, I think this was a pretty successful Christmas episode. Christmas ode? Chris Christmas ode? Yeah. I know that we I know we kind of interrupted our regular feed to do this, but I think it was important. I think it was definitely pretty cool. And it's definitely keeping me awake because I have to stay awake with this baby all night. And I really appreciate it. You're welcome. That I- yeah, that is a Christmas present to me. Um, so, what are your Christmas plans? You got any? Got any good Christmas plans? Oh man, we're gonna go try to find some musical light shows. You're gonna go with caroling? No, you know those like the musical timed light shows where they have you turn to some radio station. Yeah, we're gonna try to track down a couple of those. Nice. That'll be fun. Yeah, should be. And I've got tons of movies on the calendar. Like we are watching, we have it like scheduled out. Like what? What do you got? Got all the Santa Clauses. I haven't watched any of them except for the first one in maybe ever. So Jen didn't even know that the second and third existed. Really? Until a couple of days ago. Wow, yeah. What a world to live in. Yeah. To not know. know about Martin Short. I know. Well, I think she knows about Martin Short. Oh, does she know of his existence? She's not. Within <laughs> within the context of those movies, I just thought that without that movie, you wouldn't know who he is. Cause for sure, I because mean, he brought Jack Frost to life. Yes, playing Jack Frost in the Santa Claus Three is definitely his most famous role. His breakout, <laughs> iconic role. This guy's going places. <laughs> he might have an acting career ahead of him. That's true. So, for Christmas this year. We're probably going to, we already put our tree up. Nice. We watched a couple movies. Nice. Uh, we'll probably listen to the Amy Grant Christmas album. You should. Um, we have on, we have a couple of Christmas records on vinyl. We have the Emmylou Harris Christmas album, which is pretty good. Yeah. But I'm super excited, even though she's not going to remember it. I'm excited to, I'm excited to do First Christmas with my daughter. But you will. Yeah. That's right. I I think I think having a baby this year has softened me up to all the Christmas stuff. I'm a little more excited. Nice. Yeah. I'm glad to hear that. Yeah. All right. So, I don't think we have anything else for this episode. Do you? No. Just have some happy holidays, people. Happy holidays from all of us at Church Jams now. Yeah, even me. Even Kylan. Even even Scrooge McKylan. Bring out the ham. <laughs> Bring out the ham. <laughs> Merry Christmas. So, yeah, instead of uh, playing our theme song, we're going to play you guys out on TJ's cover of Grown Up Christmas List, which I'm super stoked about. In all its lo-fi glory. Enjoy. Yeah, and and hey, you have a Christmas song. I do. Coming out, right? I do. For Sooth? Yeah, it's out on the 18th, so depending on when this episode airs, uh, may already be available. It should already be out, yeah. So if you guys like that, check out Soothe Music. We'll leave a link for that, too. And enjoy your holidays. Yes. Uh, spend it with your family. Listen to some Amy Grant. Dance around the living room. And do some punk cakes. Punk cakes. Merry Christmas. Church jams now. Merry Christmas.
This is my grown-up. 